they're going to be out here? Yes. Well, we're in there? Yes. I can't. Delana, I can't in front of other... Come no, on. no. So why don't you go back to playing God and let the rest of us, uh, mere mortals, get back to business? I spy, with my little eye, something beginning with B. Boxes. Right. I spy with my little eye something beginning with M. More boxes. Two in a row. And that's when I shot him, Your Honor. I spy with my little eye something beginning with E. I, I, I give up. Oh, come on. This better not be what I... <laughs> Even more boxes. Just my luck. First time in my life, I'm a war hero and nobody knows about it. And worst of all, I'm married to you. Adult channel unavailable due to jamming. On the next Babylon 5. You deliberately gave aid and comfort to the enemy in front of a billion people. An old friend becomes a new enemy. Next one, I'll take your head off. Don't threaten me, Sheridan. And life on Mars is about to get real ugly. <laughs> I've seen these before. Real fast. On the next Babylon 5. You have transmissions holding. Patch incoming signal. Full audio and video decode. Purple files accessed. What you are about to see has never been shown to anyone outside the break house. Everyone out there in podcast land, welcome to Gray 17 and Babylon 5 Podcast, a part of the Front Row Network and NPR Illinois Community Voices. We're a group of newbies watching Babylon 5 for the very first time, and a group of first ones who have watched Babylon 5 far too much. And we are here today to talk about Season 4, Episode 10, Racing Mars. I'm Scott, and with me is... Justin. Nicole. Emily. Kevin. Jesse. And Ryan. We traded in a Blake and a Mike and we got a Ryan. I'm very, I'm very happy about that. Uh, I think Mike would be happy. He would, he's always representing Australia in the podcast. He's saying <laughs> phrases like "hooly dooly" and he's talking about time zones and oh, money even. And so I'm, I'm glad that I can be the the Mike replacement at least, uh, the the real Aussie representation for the pod today. At least we know Ryan listens to the podcast because the time zone thing was like last week. So good job, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you bitch about me. You're like, oh, where's Ryan's review of our podcast? I gave you ratings. Come on. I, put <laughs> I did not a, do that. I believe that was Nicole. Chasing, yeah, I put you in the pod chaser Babylon 5 playlist. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> <laughs> I finally did realize I could add ourselves to iHeartRadio, so we're on that too. There you go. Because radio is still a thing, I guess. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole feels like she's in danger. Okay, well, before we get started talking about Racing Mars and talking about us, Ryan, do you want to plug your show real quick? Well, of course I do. So I am Ryan Slowinski from Yum Yum Podcast, the only Australian Babylon 5 podcast in the entire realm of existence, and no one else will ever claim it. We are the only ones. 
but we also review episodes of science fiction television in general. We started out with Star Trek Discovery, which will finally finish this year, so I can't wait to wrap that up. We've done Space Above and Beyond, and currently we're going through The Expanse uh, as first-time viewers with The Expanse. We are making our way through that with fresh eyes, fresh perspectives, not having consumed the books, not having done the show before, so we are just having a merry old time talking about sci-fi TV, and we, as of this recording, most likely our episode on the series finale of Babylon 5 will be out by by the time this recording comes out. So we are also nearing the end of our Babylon 5 journey. There's still movies and stuff to go on afterwards, but we are coming to the close with it. Now you got to figure out what's next. Uh, not Crusade. <laughs> We've had the same conversations. <laughs> the newbies are like, huh? <laughs> just, just trust us. Trust us. You're we not. don't trust shit, first of all. This we we trust nothing mm -mm. at this Especially point in our lives. Especially the first ones. Well, <laughs> when we say it's bad enough that it's not worth watching, I think you should believe us. Because the other part of that is you can call our bluff and we can watch it and you won't like it. Thanks, Ryan, for joining us. We're looking forward to having you in the conversation as always. Before we get into that conversation, remember to check all the links down below. You can find our social medias down there, including Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Most of our newbies and most everybody are on our Facebook page, so you can join the conversation there. On the Twitter page, we get a little bit more spoilerly, so it's uh, me and Blake mostly on that one. And then also, if you join our Patreon, you can get access to our Discord, which both has a general conversation as well as a spoiler conversation. You can find that all in the links down below. And a very big thank you to our great council members, our producers who are listed down below, who also give the highest donation each and every month on our Patreon. Please, 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 as we were discussing earlier, because Ryan, I guess, uses Podchaser, if you can, please leave an Apple review. Those really do help us grow the channel. As I kind of mentioned the last week, we saw a huge increase in 2023, and we just crossed the 300,000 mark in terms of watches and listens. So please send us a review so we can continue to grow this audience as much like Ryan. And this year, we will be coming to a close on Babylon 5. It's going to be about 10 more months, but we're getting there. And we get a, did get a new review in, guys. This one comes from the United Kingdom. This is from SpaceNut42. And SpaceNut says, Great Babylon 5 podcast. As a longtime fan of Babylon 5, I was there in the beginning. I really enjoyed this podcast. I did not rewatch the entire series since the DVDs came out, so we so it was well overdue. And this is a perfect accompaniment. Really like the combination of newbies who haven't seen the show before and the first ones who have, and digging into the themes of the show, hearing different perspectives, and seeing things I'd not seen before. And fascinating how relevant some of these themes are today. Yes. Really enjoy the chemistry between the team and the host does a great job hey, of avoiding spoilers with the newbies most of the time. And corralling everyone, especially in occasional moments, a very entertaining offshoots and craziness. I think he's talking about our train conversations, guys. I think that's what they're doing. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. We never do that on this show. No. We never go off the rails, no. Well, Space Nut, thank you very much. Now, I have a job for you, Space Nut. We were in the top 100 podcasts in UK for TV reviews, but we've kind of dipped out of that lately. So help us share with your neighbors, share with your friends. Help us out in the UK. I'd appreciate it. Okay, guys, we're going to go ahead and get into this conversation of Racing Mars. 
And Nicole, I believe you have a synopsis for us. So this week's synopsis, a hilarious journey to Mars continues with Franklin and Marcus. They arrive on Mars and then they begin their undercover mission, which goes south. Sheridan confronts Garibaldi about his behavior, but Garibaldi has a giant stick up his ass and they get into a fight. I, I like that improvement from the Lurker's Guide. Thank you, You're Nicole. welcome. You're welcome. And for those of you just joining us for the first time, we talk to our newbies first who have not watched past Racing Mars and get their first impressions. So let's go to Justin. First impressions on Racing Mars. This is a pretty interesting episode. I liked it. Um, I guess I was expecting a little bit more movement from the Mars side of things, but what they did makes perfect sense. And I'm sure that um, more will be coming here very, very shortly. Um, Garibaldi Dunn lost his mind. I I have suspicions about what's wrong with that asshole, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, great Ivanova episode, I thought. The way she handled kind of setting up the black market runs and trying to coordinate the smugglers all together. She's savage in her negotiation tactics as well, which I'm definitely behind. The best part of the entire episode, though, for me, was the after the pleasure ritual was over and Sheridan standing there next to Lanier and he just, Lanier just looks very awkward. It's like, woohoo. Yeah. Just, I, I thought that was to me, that made the entire episode for me. I just absolutely cracked up and some interesting semi semi controversial uh, tidbits for the mid nineties, where you have a gay married couple being completely accepted as normal, which wasn't very common back then. And a female Pope we find out. So some very interesting things dropping in this episode, but overwhelmingly a positive experience for me. I will say JMS did get yelled at by Catholics for inserting that line. So still got a little ways to go. Emily, first impressions. I didn't hate it. <laughs> um, I mean, I can't say it was a great episode, but it wasn't terrible. I, to me, it falls somewhere in like, okay, like it's fine. There's nothing glaringly wrong. Um, Honestly, the further we get into season four, the less I like Sheridan. And you know I haven't been a Sheridan fan. Like, I liked him for a blip. I was like, oh, now he seems kind of better. And now we're just, like, going downhill again. So, and I don't know what the hell's going on with Garibaldi, but I don't, I can't disagree with his assessment. So maybe not the best way to do it, but I don't think he's wrong. And um, the whole woohoo, oh my god, that's just so awkward so awkward it hurt so yeah i didn't hate it and we're now to the podcast where we comment on uh sheridan's sexual noises this is great this is what i've been come waiting on, you for. gotta come up with something better than woohoo i'm sorry that's just borderline <laughs> offensive but it's, it's sheridan it's sheridan the dorkiest <laughs> handsome man ever of course he's gonna say woohoo what i, I want to know what pleasure threshold delin found to get to the woohoo i mean I'm pretty sure hers is a lot higher than his, though, so, you know. <laughs> Jesse, first impressions? I don't want to. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> Go to the next. I'm going to tell you unpopular opinion. I don't love it at all. Um, stuff is starting to get weird, and I really, really, really hate the Sheridan Garibaldi um, plot. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. Every single time I watch it, I want them just to be friends. And now they're fighting. And I it really just, I'm not a huge fan. Um, the whole, the whole pleasure threshold thing really confused me because they were all there. Like the other, the other people were there to make sure things didn't go too far. How, how do you find that without letting things go too far? I'm confused. I don't know what that entails and nor do I want to. So 
I guess I do and I don't. Other than that, like this, the episode itself was, was fine. I just don't like the direction it's going and I'm sure it'll get much worse before it gets better. So stay positive, stay positive. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> much like 2024, I'm sure it'll get much worse right. before it gets better. Right. right. Nicole, what do you got? First impressions. So, yeah, I kind of agree with Jesse on the fact that the Garibaldi and Sheridan thing, it just really makes me uncomfortable. And it's I just I don't like it. It really upsets me because, as you know, I've loved Garibaldi from the beginning and he's acting like a fucking dickwad. And I know he's possessed or hypnotized or something's not right. He's activated because I don't think he would be doing this otherwise. So that really upsets me. Other than that, this episode was fucking hilarious. Like, okay, first of all, we find out that there's porn in space because he can't get any of the channels that he wants to watch. Not even the adult channel comes through. So I was cracking up at that. The Lanier Wahoo moment or woohoo moment, I was dying laughing. And then Marcus just really going in on the couple thing with Franklin. Oh my God, I was cracking up. Like Franklin and Marcus together, I could watch a whole episode of them. They were so funny. Like I just, I, obviously there was serious moments in the episode, but there was just so much comedy gold in this episode. And I just was dying. In the beginning when Franklin was like ready to kill Marcus with all of his singing and his games, like I just, it was so funny. Like my stomach hurt from laughing at so many moments of this episode. And then I was pissed off and uncomfortable in the other ones. Uh, like when they went in that tunnel with that Captain Jack, I'm like, this is not good. So yeah, it was, uh, I liked it. I, I liked this episode. I thought it was, there was some serious points of contention in it, but it was a little more lighthearted. And I feel like that was kind of needed with all the shit that's been going down. And to our first ones who have watched the whole show, we'll go to Ryan first. First impressions. I love this episode, baby. Of course I do. I think this one's fun. I think that it's been a long time since Babylon 5 has had just a purely fun episode. And you can't really. There's still drama. There's still Ono oh Garibaldi is being an asshole. There's Ono. Oh Sheridan is angry. But... I love all of the shenanigans with Marcus and Franklin. I love the Ivanova stuff, but I still appreciate that there's stories being told because in many times in these shows, they will have their throwaway comedic relief episode as a palate cleanser. Deep Space Nine, to evoke it, will be like, hey, you just had serious stuff. Now let's watch the Ferengis dick about for 45 minutes. And I love those things, but Babylon 5 doesn't do those episodes. The last one we had that was like that was Soulmates, which was two seasons ago. And I love Marcus and Franklin. They're such a great duo, and I love those actors together. They just bounce off of each other so well. And seeing Franklin go from the cynical, uh, hard-edged, you know, morally upright doctor who's challenged to now this put-upon straight man who has to suffer the world's most annoying man ever is perfection for me. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Racing Mars. Kevin. I also really like this one. And my favorite part about it definitely is the, is the Franklin and Marcus stuff. Um, I think my new favorite line from this show is, and that's when I shot him, your honor. <laughs> I just cracked up at that. Um, the, the two of them are, were buds off, off camera. And I think, um, it was it, one of the actors said that they think JMS is, you know, the ultimate, um, you know, observer and decided that 
their dynamic at, you know, a lunch table or, you know, whenever they're just shooting the shit uh, was so good that he decided to kind of pair them up in the writing. And, you know, it, it works very well. You know, you've got um, Marcus just playing up everything and and either being totally into the stupid crap that he's doing or um, making, you know, kind of making light of the situation going on and Franklin playing this, the straight man, just uh, unamused by the whole thing. It's all very, very funny to me. But as far as the other stuff, um, the Ivanova stuff is good. The stuff with Delenn and and, uh, Sheridan, you know, he just, he can't be brooding all the time. So this was an interesting way of uh, showing some embarrassment for him that doesn't happen all the time in this show. Um, you know, and it, it, this is a fun episode for the most part, even though there's pretty serious stuff in it. So I, I definitely enjoy this one. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. I'm, I get that if you're watching this through the first time, this episode kind of comes out of nowhere. There's not a lot that uh, helps to move the plot along, but there's a lot of fun stuff in here that I've been waiting for. I'm, I've mentioned the Franklin Marcus buddy cop episodes for a couple seasons now and are beyond the rim. And I'm glad we finally got here for those. Uh, I do really enjoy, to Justin's point, seeing Ivanova really step up and be a commander and really kind of taking over a lot of stuff that Sheridan used to hand to handle. And uh, the Dylan Sheridan stuff is a little cringy, but in a good way it's not like annoying Sheridan like we're used to. And uh, there's a lot of stuff in here that kind of does sprinkle some stuff in like the Garibaldi and Sheridan plot. And Nicole, you're not alone. A lot of fans, even when this was first coming out, were not happy with the turn that Garibaldi takes in season four. And that was addressed a lot. Um, when we have a character that we really care about really taking a, a hard turn one way or the other, it's it's rough. And I'll be honest, I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about it. I know how it ends, but I haven't watched it beat for beat like this in so long that I'm interested to see how I feel after it's all said and done. And the other thing that we get, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit, is we get a little bit more lore into what we know is potentially coming for good old Londo in terms of the Keeper. We've learned a little bit more about them now. We see what they do with good old Captain Jack. So uh, looking forward to talking about all that with y'all. So let's go ahead and dive in. I think the, probably the easiest area to hit on first is the Sheridan Delenn piece. So let's hit that first. Who wants to talk about good old Sheridan Delenn and all of that stuff? Emily does. I know she does. Uh, I don't like them together. I don't know if I ever will. And I can't quite put my finger on why, but it's something about the change in her when she's with him just really gets on my nerves. But I also just find him generally annoying. So, you know, that might be part of it. But they also just seem really awkward together. And it it's uncomfortable. Not a fan. Zero stars. Don't like. <laughs> I like that they have a relationship. Most often, the in, let's just keep it a science fiction television. Most often, it's will they, won't they? Will they, won't they? Will they, won't they? And then they do in the end. I like that for multiple seasons, they've been dating, now they're engaged, and now they're just living life. And we're in this stage where they're getting used to each other through different cultural values. She's bringing up the engagement ring, and now she's bringing up her cultural value for the next step of the relationship. And I like that because 
most of the time we never get these steps in science fiction shows we just don't get them it's usually we're gonna have to throw roadblock after roadblock after roadblock for why they can't be together rather than them just being together and I like the dorkiness, I like the awkwardness, I like their chemistry because as someone who's in a long-term relationship, I can relate to them in some ways and and in others as well, but I just I, like for this story, it's also nice because Sheridan is dealing with Garibaldi. He's like, "Oh, I've been told to take a break." And the first thing he does is like, "Oh, I'm going to engage with a plot." And Delenn says, no, no, stop doing plots. Just hang out with me, your partner. And I like that's a commentary on Sheridan is he cannot stop being a boss. He cannot stop engaging in whatever the story is. And this is a little plot line to say, hey, you need to take a break. Kevin. I get that their relationship doesn't feel natural all the time. And I think that is probably a little bit more about JMS struggling to write uh, authentic seeming relationships all the time. Um, but uh, I do, and I, I I didn't pick up on the fact that not everything about this relationship was um, was great on film the first time, you know, a couple of times I watched the series, which now it's like having heard other perspectives, it's like, how did I miss that? But yeah, I probably picked up on a little bit, but not, not to this extent. But um, I, as I mentioned in my opening, I really do like the fact that Sheridan gets out of his, his normal way when he is with Delenn. And it's not, it's not always uh, the most polished, definitely. But, you know, some people struggle with the polish on, on relationships and, and that's okay because uh, if you find somebody that uh, that works with, it's great. And the two of them work and I, I like the two of them together, but I, I get that it doesn't always feel the best when you're when you're looking at it. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was, and I just I just became aware of this myself, there is a, a, a tradition in the UK and maybe Ryan, you, I don't know if this is something in Australia too, but apparently there's a tradition where the uh, mother of the bride has to uh, have the hotel room or the room below the bride and groom on the wedding night and this is kind of an extreme version of that where you've got people yeah i'm a little horrified by the thought too emily i saw i saw that (laughs) i was a little horrified by it too when i heard about it but uh this is kind of an extreme version of that where you've got people kind of outside going uh well maybe this is too far it's it's a little cringy but i think it's kind of fun in a way yeah it's fun thanks kevin for that mental note i appreciate it (laughs) justin yeah i'm gonna have to go scrub out my ears and eyeballs after that all (laughs) that whole comparison thing yeah the mental imagery was not pleasant but uh back to what i was gonna say i think brian hit it pretty much right on the head of i think it's kind of it you know you you only don't really see that kind of relationship dynamic in science fiction you really don't see in a whole lot of good tv on the outside anyway like even the ross and rachel thing from friends got old after a while like it and i'm glad to see like them you get to see the natural progression of the relationship even in the dorky quirky uncomfortable parts like all of us who've been either married or in long-term relationships we all go through those phases we have our ups we have our downs we have our times when we're absolutely just smitten with each other and we have the times when we really 
you know, that's the last person I want to look at right at this second. So it's it's interesting to see their relationship develop over time. And I'm glad that they're kind of getting the space to do that because I'm sure, you know, I mean, not knowing how it all ends towards the end of the series, um, you know, definitely I'm sure we'll have the wedding of the century type of episode at some point uh, before we wrap this whole thing up. But I... It, it doesn't bother me. It's none of it shocks me or surprises me. Um, maybe a little bit cringy, but none of it really gets to me with that. Emily. Um, I do like Grant's point that we get to see like some of the development and the differences, like with the engagement and then the outsiders eavesdropping, because I don't know what else to call it other than completely awkward and uncomfortable. And I think I still feel like she is more into him than he isn't like it still feels very unbalanced in the emotion and investment like to me I still see her as more invested in him and he's I don't know he doesn't seem as invested and I think the imbalance is what continues to bother me because I know I mentioned it some point in season three I believe but yeah it still feels very lopsided but she might just just workaholic though isn't isn't that what that's about? He's I, just kind of a workaholic. I don't know if he's a workaholic or if he still needs to work through shit about his like previous wife being possibly dead and then a tool of the shadows. I mean, he, he did come back from the it. dead literally for Delenn. I mean, that's a that's a pretty big, pretty also, big gesture. He also nuked his ex for Delenn. Yeah, that's a, I mean, Garibaldi <laughs> yeah, calls him out for returning really from the dead as well. He's just like, you've returned her. from the dead. Join I was. Jesus now. Yeah, Emma, who I, hasn't I, wanted to nuke an ex? I mean, <laughs> I mean, there is some of that. <laughs> wow, uh, but Emily, I mean, it is though. I, I I get what you're saying, and we're not going to change your view on this. But it absolutely was everything for Dylan. I mean, even uh, Lorien asked, "Do you have something worth fighting for?" And his one thing was not Earth, was not B five, was not the galaxy. It was Dylan. That was his thing. Yeah. Now, are it, they showing you that enough on screen? That's a question mark. Not for me. She deserves better. She deserves Sinclair, right? Mm. Oh, now you've got now you've got off the Sinclair train. <laughs> Sinclair, who probably instituted the ritual in the first place, the mm. religious thing brought that down by Valen. That just gets really cringy. Like, if she's supposed to be a descendant, why did they make that scene so erotic? I'm still frustrated by she that. She didn't know. Sinclair's a pervert. <laughs> Sinclair had nothing to do with it. It was the religious icon who who fucked a whole population's genetics into. Ah, uh, you could. We know from extended universe he didn't do that. He did, baby. <laughs> I I think I can throw this out here because it does not come up in the show at all. But there is extended universe that is actually written by JMS's at the time wife, and he does say it's canon that Catherine Sakai went back in time, some way or same form and met up with Sinclair as Valen. So he didn't screw over the entire population, just Catherine a lot. Just saying. And now Justin's dumbfounded, like, what? It's extended universe canon, just let it go. Yeah, I get it, I get it. But still, what the fuck, man? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about another couple in this episode, and that would be Garibaldi and Sheridan. (laughs) What we got? Nicole. Uh, So this whole thing really upsets me so with a lot of the stuff that Garibaldi said to Sheridan I think there was a little bit I want to just kind of point one thing out um that you know when that woman the freak 
freaky lady who was like, oh, give me a blessing, blah, 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 came up to Sheridan the second time they were arguing. And um, Garibaldi was like shaking her. Sheridan was trying to get him to stop like hurting this woman. And he's like, oh, what, you like this stuff? You like this stuff? You like everyone thinking you're that? I don't think that he thinks that at all. I don't think Sheridan likes the whole everyone thinking he's the Messiah thing. I don't think that he likes that at all. I think he was trying to get Garibaldi to remove his hands from this woman because you shouldn't put your hands on people, period. And then Garibaldi punches him because he thinks that Sheridan is like, oh, I think I'm the Messiah. And he even says it, oh, those three guys that were stalking him, by the way, I called them the creepy guys in dresses, the three creepy guys in dresses, because it looked like from far away they were in dresses. So that's how I'm referring to them as. So the earth supporters, um, when he was talking to them at the end and he was saying, oh, he's one off the rails and he thinks he's the second coming and all this. I don't think that Sheridan thinks that. And I know some people might be a little upset or think differently of Sheridan. I think Sheridan's just doing his best to navigate the situation and people are going to be fanatical regardless. So I think that Garibaldi had some good points with the whole Sheridan thing, you know, because um, from the outside looking in, it could look like some of the things that Garibaldi was saying, but I don't think that's the case. I don't think Sheridan is in it for himself. I don't think Sheridan is, is more concerned with him than the mission. When Garibaldi punches Sheridan, I would have knocked that motherfucker out. Like, you're going to punch me, not on my turf. But I did like how Sheridan said, I'll give you that one free. But you do it again, basically, I'll fucking tear you apart. It was just really uncomfortable. And I didn't like it. I don't like the storyline. They need to fucking end this storyline. Like, I, I don't know how long it's going to go on. And I foresee this being probably something that's going to last longer than I want it to. I just really hate it. Um, and I just, that whole situation with those earth supporting assholes, Garibaldi's going to give Sheridan to them. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, it, the whole thing just was really, I hated it. Justin. I agree. It's not pleasant to watch. And I really don't think it's meant to be. Um, this, to me, is just still all part of Garibaldi's programming. We're starting to see some of that kind of come come into fruition where, you know, we know he was in Psycor's clutches or whatever the case was for a while. And then he comes back a completely different person. And we saw, we, we kind of watched him get activated and we saw him kind of walk away and kind of start his own life. And now we're kind of seeing, I really think he was brainwashed to do this exact thing, to sow discord, to disrupt the station. And now he's putting this into motion with his, I'm just going to go ahead and just drop one of my predictions here because I think it kind of fits. Um, now he's going to work with these smuggling guys about, you know, now they're going to find a way to kind of put Sheridan in his place. And I'm I'm not convinced that these guys are not Earth EarthGov agents. It seems like that they've been there for a while, and it seems like Garibaldi used to have to deal with them back when he was still head of security. But one thing that caught me when in that last scene that made me think that maybe these guys are connected to EarthGov somehow is when they said, just give him to us and we'll make sure he gets the help that he needs, which almost comes directly out of that ISN broadcast when they were talking about, oh, this Sheridan's just acting the way he is because he's mentally ill and all he needs is some help and we just want to help him and bring him back into the fold and everything like that. And for those guys to almost use that exact same thing, I, it makes me think that these guys are connected with EarthGov, and they may know very well what's wrong with Garibaldi as well. 
in that case. And this is all just part of the plan to sow internal strife within Babylon 5. Kevin? I think it's interesting what Garibaldi's reaction was at the end of that encounter. You know, he he punches his, you know, folio or whatever he had in his hand. And he seems to be genuinely irritated with himself over the situation. And I find that very interesting in the context of that whole exchange because um, he just doesn't seem quite like himself. But at the same time, he doesn't seem to be all that far off either. It's very it's a very strange dynamic he's got going on. Ryan. I like that Garibaldi's story is something that we have pieces of, but the characters don't. So we know that he's been captured and altered and whatever is going on, but we still don't have all of, all of the pieces. But the, the others do not, and they do not know how to respond to him because whatever the case may be, he's saying a lot of things and acting in a lot of ways that he has done in the show before. But he doesn't have, and this is what I really came to terms with in, in this episode is he doesn't have empathy with the things he says. So we've seen him pull like Sinclair and other characters aside before to tell them, hey, I think you're becoming a bit full of yourself. And he would lighten it up like, hey, f f you know, uh, do you do you zip your pants up or do you do you fasten them up? That was an exercise to say, hey, Sinclair, you're becoming a little bit too, uh, you know, punches, you know, you're, you're becoming a bit too highfalutin. But he doesn't have any of that like lightness to him. And he's very serious. But what I also appreciate is even if he does have a point like emily said like i i also think garibaldi has some points to make he goes a, a step or two too far and adds things that don't add to his point like in the isn report that they briefly showed he makes sure to go out of his way to other delen she's one of the aliens what does that add to his point about Sheridan becoming too corrupted by his own ego? What does that add other than just a bit of dickishness on his part? And again, with what Nicole was saying, like he, he's, he's, he's grabbing this completely innocent woman and shaking the shit out of her. And he doesn't get why Sheridan wants him to stop doing that. And it's like, well, obviously, but I also think it's interesting that Sheridan and Delane and everyone else cares about Garibaldi to a point. They care about him to a point in which it's like his behavior only matters to us when he's doing something to us. So Sheridan cares because Garibaldi's compromising the mission and compromising Sheridan's goals. The only person who really seems to care about Garibaldi, the man, is Zach Allen. Zach Allen's the only one who's said anything about like, hey, are you okay? Everyone else only cares about Garibaldi being weird when it affects them personally, which I think, again, feeds into Garibaldi's whole entire fucking issue that he has in this episode that he's talking about. Nicole? It's funny that you say that because I kind of refer to that as the Lita complex, where people are only care about you or talk to you when they want something from you, right? So maybe that's kind of how Garibaldi is feeling, how Lita felt. So I've termed that the Lita complex. I like that. Um, but when you said that, that made me think of that because I guess I didn't think about that before you said it, that maybe that's also fueling Garibaldi. Because I, I feel like there's glimmers of him in there, but he's clearly activated or not possessed or hypnotized, whatever the fuck is going on. I think there's glimmers of him in there, but you hit the nail on the head where he's not showing that sparkle or empathy or that you know he'll call you out but it'll be funny about it like he's just totally being this like angry violent guy you know and i don't think the garibaldi before this would shake the shit out of an innocent woman like that justin and how much of this could be just simple petty jealousy 
You know, you see Garrett Garibald is a guy that busted his ass for years to get to, to get to the kind of position that he's in just to, you know, have you have a new commander come in, finally get to a good working place with him because, you know, he wasn't sure about Sheridan when he first came on just to get to the part where, OK, everybody thinks he's dead. They have to grieve for him and try and move past Sheridan being gone. Then for just the, him to come back as his messianic figure. And even as Sheridan is sitting there with that lady going, you're no, this isn't, I'm not who you think I am trying to calm her down and explain things. Garibaldi's not hearing that at all. All he's seeing is his worst thoughts confirmed. Even Sheridan said, is protesting against this woman. No, I'm not, I'm not this figure that you think I am. And I just think that he he's he's always somebody who I don't think has ever really felt valued or respected to the level that he may very well think he's entitled to. So part of it could just be he's just jealous of everybody fawning over over uh, Sheridan all the time. He disappeared and no one cared because they all cared about Sheridan, who they all thought was dead. The only person who cared was Zach. And everyone said, no, no, no. We'll worry about Garibaldi later, which again feeds into it as well. Like, oh, he, Sheridan literally died, and everyone's like, ah, oh, poor Sheridan. But Garibaldi's gone, and no one gave a shit. Don't forget about Jakar, but you're right. I was gonna say, don't forget about Jakar. He went out looking for him. Oh yeah, of course. And our boy Jakar. Give him a nice little bear hug. That's the last time we've yeah. seen of him. Nicole. I was gonna say um, that yeah, Jakar did go search for him, and I think they all cared that he was missing. But the primary you know, focus was Sheridan because they just didn't know what was going on with him because he blew up Zaha Doom. They didn't know if the shadows were done, if there was, you know, that was a whole thing, but that's not what I was going to say. I think you have some good points, Justin, but I don't think that Garibaldi is jealous per se. I think that Garibaldi was respected and was valued and people did look up to him. And I think that maybe in his head, he didn't feel like he was, but the other characters I feel like did respect him and, and care for him and love him they all were like a dysfunctional family kind of like us a weird dysfunctional family in a way they kind of trauma bonded through a lot of shit so um i don't think that he's jealous i think whatever is in his head that's controlling him is making him think these thoughts because everybody respected garibaldi everybody cared about him and there are people who cared more like zach and jakar but just because he was missing, I mean, Ivanova and them were still upset and still sad. Like, Franklin gives a shit about Garibaldi. Like, they all were concerned about him. It just, I feel like being missing at the same time as Sheridan in the middle of the Zaha Doom thing and not knowing if the shadows were gone overshadowed that. And also, there's no way Garibaldi would know that they didn't care. Or they weren't looking for him as hard because he was gone. And so was Sheridan. You know what I mean? So... He wouldn't know that unless somebody said, him, by the way, we didn't give a fuck you were gone. We were looking for Sheridan. I don't think any of this is truly him. There might be a couple of glimmers in there of him, but like, I don't think this is him, period. Ryan. Um, I just want to at least broach. Garibaldi says that Sheridan is becoming this this messianic figure and, and the series itself has very much played with him being the Jesus of the show in a lot of ways. And I know, Emily, you were saying that, that Sheridan is a character that you have not uh, been that attached to or have a distance from. And even, Scott, you've talked about on this current watch through, it's been a bit of a more rickety road. And do you think that aspect of his character distances you? Because I know at times in, in narratives when you make your 
your character like this, it can put an, a viewer back. And if so, do you think then having Garibaldi be a voice that represents that thought is valuable to the show? I'm not really sure how to answer that. <laughs> but, I mean, my dislike for him started before the whole cult of personality really popped on. And now that that's starting, like that that started and seems to be progressing in a certain manner, it's definitely more off-putting, that's for sure. And I still find it fascinating that he went to Zaha Doom, supposedly died, came back to life, and people are, act are still aren't questioning, is this him? Is this really him? Like, what happened to him? Because we still don't really know. And he shows up with this alien who was apparently a first one before the shadows and the Vorlon and like knows so much more and was always by his side and whispering in his ear and that that's never really got fully questioned by anyone other than Garibaldi still bugs me. And I don't even know how much of my issue is actually Sheridan himself or everyone else around him just ignoring all these like red flags like, hey, look at me. Emily, we all know what your issue is. Let's be honest. You trust no one and nobody. Ever. For reasons. Okay, there are I'm, reasons. I'm, 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 not, I'm not. Therapy sessions, not tonight. I'm just saying. <laughs> There's always trust issues there. But I, always. I, I have to, before I go into my feelings on Sheridan right now, I have to say, I, I'm not sure what you're looking for in terms of the plot right now, in terms of people questioning it. Garibaldi absolutely questioned it. And some of the um, non-aligned worlds question is it's, it first happened. I mean, B5 was about ready to fall apart before he showed up and they were still like, hey, who the hell are you now? But I, I see it as more just like when you when you're dealing with so much stressors at one point, you're dealing with the end of the shadow war, you're dealing with what's happening with Earth, you're dealing with just making sure B5 is operational and people have food. You You have to move on. You can't sit there and go, OK, is the guy in charge? dead not dead jesus whatever it's okay we we, we got to go day to day it's the same thing i see a lot in my professional life you may have somebody who does something really weird and shitty but you still got to move forward and by the next day okay we're still thinking about it but the cogs still need to be made so i'm not sure what else can be done there aside from some kind of big inquisition about what sheridan is and i don't think there's time for that even if people wanted to do it, I don't think there's time for it. I don't expect them to actually deal with it at this point. It just, it's going to irritate me. Okay, so you're okay with being irritated. You don't want anything. <laughs> you're just okay with being irritated. I'm I just going to be perpetually irritated, like under the surface. It will nag at me. In defense of Sheridan, I will say two things. One, he's got every stressor in the world going on right now. You know, his station is isolated, at least from Earth. He's given up everything that he ever knew. His dad is missing, potentially. Um, you know, the the money may start to run out at B5 because they're, uh, they've been blockaded or, or uh, isolated. He's got a, a budding relationship with, with a lady, which is difficult because there's cultural considerations. And somebody that was close to him now seems to hate him and he denies the fact that he is anything you know in the moment 
when this lady is like hey you know can i have a blessing all is like no like i'm not what you think i am stop it so that's the extent of which i'm going to uh to to defend sheridan because i i don't know that any of that's getting enough uh enough focus nicole what do you got just three quick things one there's only one space jesus or messiah and that's keffer and he's dead um <laughs> two Lorien was a creepy bastard i didn't like him but he fucking saved their asses with some of his knowledge and some of his connections so he turned out to be all right in the end and three did anyone else go listen to the song called to personality by living color after this episode was over because i sure did no <laughs> no you, you guys are lame it's a good song they're yeah, still touring I know, and they brought up the cult of personality, and that was the first thing I thought in my head. I thought, do, 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 do. I heard that guitar riff. Like, I totally blacked out and had to rewind because I missed everything Garibaldi said because I was replaying the song in my brain. So that's how I work. <laughs> and the more you know about Nicole. <laughs> yeah, and the other point that Ryan brought up with the, the Sheridan piece, I, I, this is so weird for me watching week to week because I have had literally 30 years, well, with Sheridan, 28 years or whatever it is, of knowing Sheridan is like one of my favorite captain figures and always an awesome leader and figure. And then I watch episode to episode, I'm like, this guy's fucking stupid. <laughs> and I don't know why. And I, I think part of it is too, again, I know the entire breadth of the show. I know where this is going. And I think much like everything else, there's a rhyme and reason to stuff uh, on this show. And so I may get right back to where I was at the end, but watching week to week has been somewhat painful in terms of the Sheridan pieces because uh, we, we, we talked it to death with the ISN episode. He's not handling Garibaldi well. Uh, he's this, There's decisions being made that are not exactly good leadership type decisions that should be made. And I think, it, Ryan, you said it, he's like the, 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 I don't like to use the word naive, but he's the naive guy. He's the oh shucks guy. And uh, I, I think when you, when you win one war and you're still dealing with another thing, you probably uh, should not be the oh shucks guy anymore. And that's, I keep waiting for him to not be the oh shucks guy. I think I know when, exactly my opinion is going to change i even know like what episode and what part of the episode my opinion is going to change but we're not there yet so right now this is where i'm at he's good at dealing with wars but not relationship as that's true mentioned in this episode itself he's a tactician but as far as dealing with people that give him a hard time he's not great at that he's a tactician who has to stare at a wall for three weeks to find a gap in the fleet that's been sitting there oh, come on. the entire time <laughs> This is the kind of stuff that when the rewatch, I'm really getting annoyed. No one else saw it either. Nukes, so he's good at that. <laughs> well, he flies the nukes with a, a spacesuit. We did that two weeks ago. Nicole, do you have any other music you want to reference? No, but I will say I request that when that moment comes where you realize that you like Sheridan again, you must tell us. I'll say in Beyond the Rim, too. I mean, it's an episode that I think most people are going to like. And so, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see if I, I, I feel that way again. Let's go ahead and talk about the third couple in this episode, because I have a theme here with couples, Marcus and Franklin, the most important couple of the episode, I think. Nicole. Okay, so at first when they met the contact on the ship or whatever that they were on cargo hold or wherever they were i'm like this guy's their contact all right whatever so i just thought he was kind of weird and then 
when they um, get on the, you know, Mars thing and they're on the shuttle and they're like, la- I mean, I was just dying laughing with the whole, you know, buddy cop kind of thing between them. But when they go in that creepy tunnel, in my mind, it's like red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. Like, it just didn't seem right. And then bam, here's the guys with guns. Like, what that, like, I knew it was a setup. And I was like, okay, typically I don't catch on to these things because I'm kind of like ditzy when it comes to stuff like that, you know? But I caught on right away and then I'm like, okay. And then I was really confused because I was like, well, these guys are clearly Franklin and Marcus. Like, what the hell is the problem? And then when it was re- you know, revealed that that guy had that um, parasite on him and he was kind of being controlled. I'm like, oh, okay. So I just wonder like, well, one, I thought it was badass that the leader was a woman. That was cool. Number one was a woman. Um, But two, like, where do those things come from? That's not the same thing that was on that exogenesis, right? This is a different parasite. Okay. This is the keeper that we've now seen right and we've seen him with the regent remember the regent got it at the very last moment when we saw him looking in the mirror he freaked out yes okay so when it was laid out on the table you could see the little eyeball right but this isn't the same as the exogenesis parasite that's a different one okay now because remember the exogenesis looked like looked like kind of centipedes and they were on the back the keeper is on your shoulder on the shoulder so I guess this is a question's prediction, but where the hell did they come from? Like, it looks like something from the shadows. Um, so I could be wrong there, but I think it is. Um, but anyway, regardless of the, the whole fucked up scene with that, I just, I want more Franklin and, and Marcus. Like, they were so funny. I want a whole episode with them. I'm just going to say that. Justin. They're definitely like an odd couple. You know, they remind me of the what Walter Matthau, Jack Lemon-esque type real dynamic between those two, which I really enjoy. But just that whole scene earlier, I you know, with uh with Captain Jack, I kind of had the a roller coaster effect myself where I thought he was kind of okay, just a normal kind of weird guy. And then I crashed when kind of the same moment as Nicole when he's going through the tunnel and I'm like, this feels like it's a setup. And then those guys come out with their guns pointed at him and I'm like, okay, this guy's kind of a jackass and walk them into a trap. And then when he was talking about his daughter, I'm like, okay, this guy's actually kind of cool. I kind of like him. And then he pulls the gun on number one and is trying to shoot her. I'm like, oh, he is a jackass after all. So it's like kind of my opinions about this guy were kind of going back and forth the entire time. But I really am very curious about these parasites, about these keepers. And I'll save the rest of my conversation about the keepers for my questions and predictions portion of the show. Jesse. I enjoyed the the comedy between the two. But when we got to the point where the Captain Jack was talking about his daughter, I got creepy Franklin vibes again. And I'm like, well, she's only just, I know, I can't help it. Listen, I'm like, he's like, well, she's beautiful. And this is this her address. Okay, it was a little weird. I'm like, mm, where's this going? But then we got we got Franklin moving on to being the next creep with the fucking leader. I, it's just never ending with this dude. And I'm, I can't, I can't not, I can't not see it. But I thoroughly enjoyed the comedy between the two and the jokes about the relationship. And it's cute. Overall, I liked it. But Franklin is giving me creepy Franklin vibes again. I'm going to defend Franklin a little bit more than I used to. I'm glad, you're, I'm glad you're doing it because I was going to. <laughs> Here we go. Jess, Jesse's the bad guy. No, no, as, you're fine. As per usual. But listen, I don't, I'm, I'm Jesse's at it again. Ooh, I'm a, team uh, Rocket. I, Franklin is... 
some of all his parts. So you saw him be definitely a different person while he was on stems and right. all of that. And he's still a narcissist. He will always be a narcissist. But uh, for the one, I don't, I don't think that looking at the picture was creepy. I think you could see he was flipping back and forth, making the connection. Oh, why is her address on this? What's going on? And he just thought of something to say. He's like, oh, she's, she's gorgeous. Okay figuring that out and Jack didn't think any of it he was like yeah she's my kid I'm so proud of her and then on the other one with number one not a patient not somebody straight out of a coma not somebody who is uh, in a power relationship with Franklin he's just this is somebody who you know you can hit on <laughs> I mean just a woman and you know as in every other woman that he comes in contact with he's gonna hit on her right he seems well, to be into him what's the problem okay Wait, so did the other one doesn't make them okay? Yeah. No, I didn't say the other ones were okay. I said they were patients. They were uh, in a power dynamic that shouldn't have been there for them to be in a relationship. No, but all those Kevin, I'm agreeing with you. Kevin said she's into him. What's the problem? So was the creepy fucking daughter of the of the the witch lady. We're not talking about those relationships. I you grant just... you, those were not great. <laughs> this not one great. is fine. Wow. Didn't she ask him to dinner? Yes. Yeah. So she asked them both to dinner. No. And Marcus, she didn't ask both of them to go to dinner. And well, do you want to invite Marcus when you're making blue <laughs> eyes at the guy that tackled you? I don't want to invite either one of them. Marcus. Marcus has such big feeling. virgin energy in his little <laughs> ranger. He really virgin. does. I, I I love all of this stuff as mentioned before, and I'm going to have to disagree with Scott about some oh. things as well, because I really, and I'm curious of what the newbie's thoughts are, because there's been some mixed feelings on Franklin over the seasons, but I really like after season three, he has toned down his narcissism and is actually a lot more of a friend to everyone. And in, even in this episode, when he's having to be the jokester, he knows when to drop that and to be in the moment, while in other episodes, he didn't have that skill and i i just am when they do the the comedy bit about them being a a married couple the comedy doesn't come from a gay panic oh no it's more which i appreciate i appreciate that it, the tact is franklin looks at it as oh no I'm married to Marcus. Marcus, that's the problem. That's the real problem. And Marcus is drilling into it because he's a theater kid and he's just, he cannot stop coming up with bits. And I just find that just so exuberant in joy. But those two performers, as said, were friends in real life. They had great chemistry. And if you went to conventions, they would give little acting lessons to people who would attend. There's footage online of them doing little acting workshops with people at the conventions. They just really bonded and you can see that friendship on the screen. And this is just the magic of an ensemble cast is when you see certain actors or certain characters you don't get to see often paired together and they just snap into place. I'm sure we've all watched a TV show where that's happened, where it's like, oh, this character and this character work really nicely. I want to see more of that. And I wanted to come on too because I, I Franklin's one of my favorite characters, but I also think Richard Biggs, the actor who portrayed him, I think he gets really overlooked in this cast of actors. I think he's one of those ones that you forget that there's a performer there. You always think of Franklin. When we talk about all of these characters and actors, we do talk about the actors like oh, Peter Jurisic and, 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 and Andreas, but with Franklin, it's always Franklin. Richard Biggs 
just fades into the role so beautifully and i kind of love seeing him with unshaven look raggedy just just tired out of his mind at marcus just non-stop talking and everything like that and i just wanted to give like a bit more of a shout out to he does comedy like franklin in season four and season late season three is allowed to be a little bit lighter in the first season we weren't getting jokes from Franklin. The jokes you would get from Franklin is, whoopsie, he killed a kid. But yeah, no, you're right on that. And I, I think uh, we have said a couple times, but I, I agree with you, we haven't said enough, that I think truly Ben Biggs is one of the better actors on this show, hands down. Because he's able to work with whatever he's given and make it believable. Even if you want to punch him in the face... He's doing a good job of making it believable. And have you ever I, talked about have you ever talked about his uh, hearing impairment? The actor? No, we have not. Oh, so we mentioned that on a, on an episode. I remember mentioning. Oh, it. do we? Right. I remember. Yeah, Richard Biggs was virtually deaf. He was completely deaf in one ear and deaf in the other, and he had to lip he had to lip read and he had to learn the other actors' lines. So there's there's that kind of on top of everything, but you 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 wouldn't notice because he's just so in rhythm with everything needed in this series. Wait, he's wow. so he's he's virtually deaf. Like, not just did he wear hearing aids? I believe so, but mainly lip reading and stuff. So he got deaf over time. So he wasn't born deaf, but got it. Uh, yeah, okay. so he's completely deaf in one ear and was losing it in the other. So yeah, because okay. you don't hear it. Like usually, somebody that is born deaf, you can hear because they don't fully hear themselves. So you can always you can always pick up the speech pattern. Um, but you don't hear, I don't, I don't think I've ever caught that from him even once. That's how good he is. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. Anything else you guys want to talk about with the episode in general? I know, Justin, you've got some keeper stuff, but that will be for your questions, predictions, I believe. Can we just talk about Lanier roasting Sheridan in like the <laughs> elevator with the, woohoo. Well, remember... <laughs> Like, Lanier I really had... just appreciate Lanier in that moment because we know how Lanier feels about Delyn. So go. for him to just be like, yeah, I know, dude. And it's awkward and you're awkward. I will. Really uh, nice. Another thing I wanted to bring up since Nicole started making correlations to music. Every time you guys say Captain Jack, I just think Billy Joel. Captain Jack will get you high tonight. Oh, see, I think of Captain Jack Sparrow by the Lonely Island. <laughs> Well, Nicole, not all of us can be cultured. I'm sorry. You know what? I'm cultured. Suck it. Uh -huh. okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah, Billy Joel in Living Color. Okay. Listen, it's really funny uh, that, that Lania gets to hear the woman that he's confessed love for and uh, uh, her partner fuck. Yeah, that's just nice. Right. I was thinking that too. Did they I, was like, I mean, did Lania. they? I don't oh, think fine, they fine, did. Scott. Hear them give blowjobs. What do you want? They had some sexual conquest that he could hear. He could hear in the other room. And is that that's lovely for him. But I think it's very funny that Lydia is standing there just, Oh, I listened to you say woohoo while you did something naughty with my ambassador and the person that I have feelings for. Yeah, that was weird. Like, poor Lanier having to listen to that. Like, Also, sorry, but if I came into someone's room and they're like, yeah, let's go do it. And then there's like people that are going to pray and meditate while we're banging. No, thank you. Like, I mean, <laughs> she pulled the, oh, this is important to me. Like your ring is important to you. I get it. But like, they left the know, room man. when they got to the spicy stuff. I mean, did they? Like, yeah, they said they'll leave the room. Oh, okay. okay. Lanier was outside. He heard it, which means, by the way, Sheridan was really fucking loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's what he's going to be loud about? Woohoo? Really? Hey. 
He's a farm boy. What do you want from the boy? Realistically, though, when's the last time any of them got laid up there? You know what I'm saying? Like, when's Franklin. the last time a woman touched his wiener? Except, yeah, except oh, yeah. for Franklin. He gets he <laughs> they don't bitches get the all the adult time. channels anymore, so yeah, and the last the time porn. they saw boob. Get the porn anymore. Like, what are they going to do? You know, good for him. He got his. When Ivanova gets a little needy, she just throws on her green thing, goes to the Drazi, and she's fine. When guys hit on her, she doesn't know how to react, just like that in this was episode, so... because she also had yeah. a plot. Yeah, that pissed That's me true. off, too. I was like, really, you scumbag? You're, after all that, you're like, are you single? Get the fuck out of here. She should have shot him. Right <laughs> in the ass. She needs his oranges and coffee, so. Justin. I mean, what else can I say that hasn't already been said, I guess, but no, I don't want to know my whole thought, uh, but you're going to hear it. Um, my whole thought during that entire scene was I don't if, if I were in Sheridan's place, I would have terrible like performance anxiety. Like if I'm sitting there trying to shish kebab somebody and I know there's a bunch of people listening the outside fuck? the room cheer, cheering me on. I, I just I don't know. I just, I, did, I, I don't know if I could go through but with it. But have you considered he hasn't had sex since his dead wife? So he's he's got a lot of built up blue bowl and energy. And that was, that was what, a couple years before um, mm -hmm. he got to be five, right? Yeah. So Can you please never, ever call it shish kebabbing <laughs> someone ever again? <laughs> I don't That's ever want to hear that come funny. out of anybody's mouth. I'll say that. I, I'm I'm just amazed that all of you think that these folks don't have a sex life when we're not watching the show. I mean, do you really think that Sheridan didn't like have a hookup in ten right. years? Really? No. Do no. you? I mean, he is kind of awkward, actually. so maybe not a lot, but at least one. I we know Garibaldi Sheridan hasn't had any sex since his wife died. I believe that genuinely. Sinclair, we know he had a lot of sex. Oh, Sinclair fucks. The first line you heard from Sinclair was about alien genitals. That's the first Keep thing to you the talk about. <laughs> Sheridan, Sheridan would never. That's the difference. We almost named our Patreon the list and we decided against it. Maybe, maybe that's why Emily doesn't like Sheridan as much. He's he's way less horny. Sinclair was very <laughs> horny from the beginning. He you he might have a point here. <laughs> frictionless sheet. Does Sheridan have frictionless sheets? Not at all. Damn. <laughs> he might he might be onto something with that. And that is why I called him Big Daddy Sinclair. <laughs> I know this is an audio podcast, but watching all of your minds explode when Ryan was talking just was was very hilarious. <laughs> I don't know. I might have to go see, see if somebody wants to shish kebab later. Oh my god! I just said don't don't say those words. I really hope that Mariano comes up to you and says, "Hey, baby, you want to shish kebab?" No, he stays in the other room, and I'm not gonna. Anyone want to DM him right now? No, oh, I should. <laughs> So, okay, time out. So what we've learned so far is Nicole really wants to watch somebody get shish kebab, and Kevin wants to slide into other people's husbands' DMs. And That's somebody, what we've covered so far. And you all are going to be fucking culpable. Is it culpable? You're all <laughs> going to be responsible. Okay, I do want to point out as we continue down this road that we just got a great review from Space Nut saying that we do a good job of not going off the rails. Yeah. Well, we just really lost that review. <laughs> well, he's a Space Nut. Is Never he on episode he know two? know what he's talking about. Right. <laughs> I don't know. He isn't very far like... into the podcast if that's Okay, what he... but I need our Facebook people to now make a shish kebab meme. <laughs> yeah. Once Justin said shish kebab, it all went downhill. And I'm, uh, once again, I'm glad I can be the, uh, the nickel on the rails that derailed the train for this one. I, 
God. Listen, I didn't know that I hated that as much as I do, but you've now taught me that 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 pisses me off more than like the word taint, which I fucking hate. <laughs> Jesse's three unspoken words are taint, shish kebab, and moist. Oh, I don't, don't hate moist. Yeah, I Nicole hate hates moist. moist. Moist is okay. One. I agree with Nicole. It's a terrible word. We just know Jesse can never go to a Korean barbecue ever again now. Nope. <laughs> I, no, I, I also don't like ruined. I was going to say, I actually really like, there was just an offline I, I wrote down that I appreciated, which was when number two found out that Marcus was a ranger and he scoffed at that and he's like, you're far away from Texas, boy, and you have the wrong accent. <laughs> <laughs> and I just appreciate I, that. There was also that little bit that Captain Jack said that many people on Mars and in Earth areas have no clue what's going on outside. They've been embargoed. They have no information. And so everything they are told sounds ludicrous because the plot of Babylon 5 is ludicrous to people who aren't in it. So I found that very amusing where Captain Jack says, like, there was a war. Did we win? <laughs> yeah, we won, man. And I'm a war hero. That actually, we, we've been talking about that scene a couple times on Beyond the Rim, because it does say a lot that the Shadow War was not a thing for a lot of people. We we kind of saw this a little bit a few episodes ago, where ISN kind of blew it off and didn't even talk about it at all. And then we did see in Third Space that the Doctor knew about it, but that's the only person outside of B5 who has really re referred to it from the Earth side. And now we're hearing that Earth is absolutely holding back information. So I think that's uh, that's interesting. I do love well, Marcus's whole piece. He's like, I am a galactic hero and no one knows about it. Well, and, it's, and it's also telling that, you know, the fact that, God, what was I going to say? Shish kebab. Crap. Shish kebab. <laughs> it's also very telling from the human perspective that the ones that did know about the Shadow War, even Jack said himself, well, that's just that was just aliens fighting aliens. You know, so like, who cares? So it's, I have a feeling a lot of humanity probably had that same sentiment. Kevin? I read somewhere where GMS meant for the whole idea of Earth knowing nothing about the Shadow War to be um, kind of a social commentary on Americans not knowing much about what's going on in the world outside of their own their own country, which I found kind of interesting. Yeah, I can see that. I also think, too, though, it's it's a discussion on the fascist state, and the fascist state is going to control all media, period. Right. We saw it in the ISN episode. Yeah. They control the information. They rewrite the narrative. They don't tell you things. That's Yeah. And if that's all people are getting, that's all people are getting. And um, very brave. Uh, congratulations, everyone. No one, no, not a single soul here referenced that Captain J Jack's accent was fucking all over the place and the country <laughs> didn't come from. Was he Australian? Was he British? Was he a Southern boy? I cannot tell you. I don't know. I do know for a fact that that actor is American, clearly, and he always plays Santa Claus in everything. Uh, and he was Santa Claus in the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode where Charlie thinks the mole Santa fucked his mum. And I can never unsee that <laughs> with Captain Jack. It's, it's the famous Charlie being like, did you fuck my mum? But... I can't get past it. Like, I love this episode, and I, I even like Captain Jack as a character, but I feel like this is a season one performance in a season four episode. It's wild. Nicole? Yeah, I noticed that too, that his dialects were all off and the way he was speaking and referring to himself in third person, I thought it was really weird and annoying. Um, I was with them when they're like, I don't like anyone who refers to himself in third person. <laughs> so, but like Justin mentioned earlier, the roller coaster, like when it came to the very end, 
I was actually sad when he blew himself up. I'm like, oh man, like come back, you know? And then when I saw the tentacle come up saying that they grow back and then he just blew himself up, I was like, okay, well, in his situation, he probably felt that there was no other way, you know? And I think he purposely gave Franklin his daughter's info so he could reach out and in case something happened, like he, you know, deduced and that's exactly what happened. Emily. It was interesting that we did get a little bit more information about the keepers, if that's what we're going to call them. I'm not sure if they have an actual name that we are aware of yet. No, that's what they're called. Londo says uh, earlier, I think in War Without End, we all have our keepers and that's what they're called. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting that we get more information on them, especially the bit about you can remove them, but they regrow because that's really, really disturbing. And it also makes it harder to fight them and get rid of them and remove the influence if they're actually that embedded and they can regrow. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out since we know they are on Centauri Prime. And they grow more powerful the longer they're on the person was a thing said. Captain Jack only just got one the Mm -hmm. other day and it already was controlling him real well. And when we saw Londo in the future, he's having to slug back so many bottles of alcohol to be able to talk at all. And uh, yeah, the keepers are nasty things. I think it's funny though, every time I think about the logistics of them, it's like, you're on the outside of the clothes? That's what I can't. I can't stop thinking about it. They're on the outside of the clothes, not underneath. But they're they attached get too to you. warm, tucked up in under there. They need air, mm-hmm. some airflow. Sure. <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and wrap up the conversation there. And we are going to go to our newbies one last time and ask them if they have any questions or predictions after watching this episode. Because again, they have not watched anything past Racing Mars, and then next week. We will be back to talk about lines of communication, which should be an interesting one, to say the least. So let's go ahead and go to our newbies. Nicole, we'll go to you first. Questions and predictions. And before we start, guys, I did write down already from Nicole. There is not much of the real Garibaldi in Garibaldi's head right now. And then you have where the keepers come from. And then Justin... You had Garibaldi is going to work with the smugglers and they are EarthGov agents. So I do have those already. Um, <clears throat> my question, which I know you can't answer, but you'll answer and be on the rim, is how long is this Garibaldi shared in conflict going to drag out for? Like, is this going to be the whole season, the rest of the show? Will there ever be a reconciliation? Will Garibaldi get his head out of his ass? And then other than that, do we get to see more shenanigans between Franklin and Marcus? Because... That was very enjoyable. Uh, and then, yeah, the I guess my only prediction now is that, or I don't really know if it's a prediction or a question, but now that we've seen the Keepers, two people currently and then one in the future, is this going to become a big problem? Like, are they going to spread? Is there going to be tons of people being controlled by these things? Or is it just key people? Like, how do they pick who their host is going to be? Um, and then uh, other than that, um, prediction-wise, I... I don't have any. Thank you. Jesse, questions, predictions. Did we figure out how the keepers get to where they get to? Not like, yet. Okay, so like if Franklin ate after Captain Jack, is he, is it going to be like, is he going to get one because he- It was ate? in the stick and potatoes. He's fucked. It could have been on the spoon that he ate. It's like a gremlin. If you eat after midnight, you get infected. Yeah, right. You just don't know, right? But no, um, 
Nicole's first question was really my only question. Like, how long is this shit going to go on? And I have no predictions. Emily. One prediction is Sheridan's going to try to kick Garibaldi off B5. Like, their conflict's going to get worse and he's going to try to have him forcibly removed. And then um, two questions. Since we saw Marcus in his relationship, so to speak, with um, Franklin, will he ever tell Ivanova how he actually feels? Because we know we had a thing for her and he's hinted about that in previous episodes. But is he ever going to actually like tell her and be open about it? And my other question is, what has Buster been planning? Because we haven't heard from him in a bit. And uh, he was extra creepy the last time we saw him. And he was definitely plotting. So I want to know what he's been up to while we haven't seen him. Justin, questions, predictions. Is Garibaldi infected by one of these keepers? Because... I think Kevin said it earlier, and I know I kind of noticed it earlier as well, that Garibaldi doesn't seem to be too happy with how things are progressing with Sheridan. And I almost wonder if he is infected with one of these keepers, and he a lot of stuff that he's doing and saying is against his own will. And maybe that is, and then piggybacking that into a prediction, I think that's how PsyCor and EarthGov are taking control of people, because why else would they have a member of the resistance? These people came to him, knew who he was, and infected him with this thing. And now all of a sudden he wants to shoot a religious leader, uh, a resistance leader. So I think it's got to be connected to something with EarthGov. And I think that's how Garibaldi is the way he is right now, based off of that. Then my only other prediction is shit's going to escalate real soon. I think on Babylon 5, and I think the climax of it is going to be some kind of Garibaldi and his new like little crew that he's going to run around with. There's going to be some kind of an attempt at an insurrection, and I think that's when all this Garibaldi shit's going to come to a head. So buckle up, Buttercup. It's going to get crazy. I love that every few episodes, Justin, your prediction is, and I quote, shit escalates. It makes for an easy conversation. Like, well, there's still a season and a half, so maybe. But you gave some detail there, so we're okay. We're okay. Anything else, y'all? Just one of my favorite phrases. I can't help it. (laughs) Anything else, y'all want to talk about before we head out the door? So we'll end it there. Fuck. We'll end it there with our newbies until next week, and we will, after the credits, come back and discuss all these questions and predictions that the newbies have given us with. Ryan, Kevin, and myself. And again, we'll be here next week to talk about lines of communications. Again, be sure to click all the links down below, check out our social medias, check out Ryan's podcast and all his links, which are down below as well too. And please check out Yum Yum Podcast and help hook them up with some listens and reviews. Those are always helpful for everybody. And we will be here next week to chat again. So until next week, I have been Scott and with me has been... Justin. Nicole, Emily, Kevin, Jesse, and Ryan. Thanks for being here, Ryan. Thanks for joining us. Bye, Ryan. Pleasure as always. It's always exciting. Jesse, you were here this time. I was semi here this time. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast. You can find all the places to listen to and watch this podcast at anchor.fm slash gray 17 podcast or youtube.com at Gray17 Podcast. We want to hear from you, so join the conversation at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or Patreon. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review where you are listening to or watching this podcast. Gray17 is not affiliated with 
and the podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by Warner Brothers or any other owners of the Babylon 5 copyright. All clips included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. The opening and closing themes are available from Falling Matter on YouTube. And what's out there? The rim. And beyond that? The truth. Welcome back to Beyond the Rim again. This is a spoiler section, so if you have not watched past Racy Mars, or if you haven't watched in a while and have no clue what's happening, this is not the section for you. Come back next week and we'll talk a new episode. But for everyone who wants to be spoiled, and I do know there's some of you who are watching for the first time and spoiling yourself every week, and I think you're sick, but I know who you are. We're going to go ahead and dive in. So, Kevin, before we get started, I think you had something you wanted to discuss. I am shocked that somebody, mostly Nicole, did not predict that Franklin and number one will be smashing because we all we the three of us know that they will be very soon um but of all the times that she predicted some that somebody was going to smash or two people were going to smash she didn't do it this time and I find that funny but that is a uh little bit of a theme in, in this part of the season it comes up a couple of times yeah I agree Nicole definitely was uh sidetracked on other things this episode I, uh, I think when she sees number one again next episode, that may help out too. I will say though, and Kevin, you and I both have joked about this forever, about the newbie saying, somebody's going to come back, somebody's going to matter, and they never do. <laughs> number one comes back. Right. She becomes security for the Alliance. And mm-hmm. when we, uh, and Ryan, you're, you've just watched this episode, when we see the little pullout from B5 with the new crew, the next yep. generation, Number one's on the crew, so she's going to be around for She gets a name at the end, too. Yes. Tessa. So I I do like that, for once, we have a a character who pops up (laughs) and is going to have somewhat of an arc. It's great. Let's go ahead and dive into the questions, and it's all keepers all the time for a bit. So first question, where do the keepers come from? The (laughs) drac. From their chest, to be specific. (laughs) <laughs> so the the drac are a, a race that's a holdover from the shadows and uh they are going to be messing around in the in the galaxy for a little while to come and literally uh, next episode baby they'll be yeah there. yeah but uh so we'll we'll finally get to hear some some about them coming up but uh yeah the, those keepers they're gonna be a thing between now and the end of the series all the way through but they what, don't, at least at times. They don't draw the, the line between keepers and drock until like right near the end of the show. Yeah, yes. like that's neat at least. So they're still teasing of stuff to come in a in a long term sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean we find out almost everything before the end of the show. We do get a little bit more, just a little bit sprinkled in there in Crusade, but Crusade's not long enough to actually make it worthwhile. But we do find out, especially when we're talking about David. That if you kill the drug, you kill the keeper it created too. So that's something else. Uh, but we're not there yet either. The next question is, how do they pick who gets to be a host? And is it going to be a lot of people? Is there going to be a pandemic of keepers? No. no. They it's just... only key figures. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think it comes down to, I mean, as we just mentioned, every drug has, well, not every, we don't know it's every drug, but every keeper has a drug. So... You can't just replicate these suckers. They got to be attached to their uh, daddy drock, I guess. So this is going to be a few and far between. We will know of a few. In fact, guys, 
I think we, and this is going to go to another question, which is, does Garibaldi have a keeper? The answer is no, because I'm, tell me if I'm wrong. We only know of three, right? We know of the Regent slash Londo. We know of Jack and we know of David in the urn. Is there any other keepers out there? No, that's all we need. Yeah. So not too many at all. And the one in the urn we never hear about. How do people get a keeper? They put them on you. Yeah, we <laughs> Literally. decide to put one on you because they find you to be uh, an ag- either an agent of chaos or a uh, ongoing, uh, you know, uh, target for them to uh, do their dirty work. Mm-hmm. And we see it both ways. Sometimes they, you know, accost you and give you a keeper. The regent had that that we know of because the regent just woke up one night and had it. Same with Jack. It was same with Jack. With Londo, he's informed. You are going to get this, and you're going to do it right now, or we're going to have issues. And so Londo makes a choice to get one. Mm. So they this goes it a little be, They do it to be cruel with Londo. They could yes. put it on him at any time, but they make sure he chooses to Yes. Good point. Okay, moving on to Garibaldi-Sheridan. How long will this Garibaldi-Sheridan conflict drag out? Depends Forever. on who you ask. <laughs> Forever and ever and ever. Until well, until end. we know Fucking the full story, it's going to be seven more episodes. Yep. But until they come to understand the full breadth of it, as as far as the characters go, it's going to be longer than that. I do love the the tragedy that we get with Face of the Enemy, because as Garibaldi figures out that he has been played with, he everyone turns on him after he figures it out ivanova does a shoot to kill order yeah. sheridan is captured and by the way that's the uh the uh the episode of him being interrogated is the one where i think my thoughts on sheridan will change for those playing the home game yeah. which happens the next episode but so i i do love that even though we're going to find out that everything has been turned back to normal for Garibaldi in times of his head in seven episodes. It's going to take the rest of the series to get that trust back. And whether you like this situation or not, that's going to be, um, it's going to be an important dynamic that people are going to be dealing with for a while to come. The truth is a part of their question about this and their ongoing feelings about Garibaldi's stuff is that he has changed in this very dramatic sense and that won't go away. Garibaldi will never be that fun character he was in the first half of the show because of this. After this big story he becomes a relapsed alcoholic and fucks everything up and that's just what they're going to have to live with. You're going to have to hear Nicole be very upset that Garibaldi is not having a good time. And that's really the root of the que- like the, 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 the central point of the question at large is how long are we going to feel this way about Garibaldi for pretty much the rest of the show? And if you don't like that, just wait until you find out what they do with Lanier. Boy. Oh, character Sorry. assassination. We'll get there. We'll get there. And I already have people on the interwebs telling me that I'm completely wrong, and I will continue to say it. I hate the ending of that story. I couldn't agree with you more, sir. How dare you feel something about a story? You're wrong, Scott. In fact, right. you're incorrect. Invalid feelings. How could you not appreciate the master storytelling of Lanier being a creep? Well, and as I will argue with people online, as I've done before, my biggest issue isn't that that turn happens. I don't like the turn. I don't think it's earned as much as people do. But the fact that that's the last time, don't count the books, that's the last time we see Lanier. 
That's it. And that pisses me off. We'll get there when we get there (laughs) with the newbies. Uh, But yeah, that's the last time we see Lanier in the current timeline in the present day. He dies like a coward. That's all we know. He dies without honor. As as far as we know, as far as we saw, and that's the real sticking point. Yes. We just covered, I mean, our, our discussion on that will come out later, and we got very heated because we've actually been trying our best to analyze the linear stuff beat by beat by beat, and yeah. it's actually been very good, but that actual, the betrayal itself, like that actual, and the conversation after it, it still doesn't work for me. It just doesn't work. The one that I do like is that we do see Lanier actually do go back and make a decision decision to go back and of course it doesn't matter at that point he was too late but that whole thing that whole turn i I, it was not earned for me but that's season five we'll get there when we get there oh yeah (laughs) ryan mark it on your calendar we'll come back to you Uh, at least that time if not more but yeah so oh god you had to bring in lanier kevin sorry you know okay it's not not unlike my viewpoints on uh, the luke skywalker character do you want to talk about that, Scott? Oh, that one is earned, and I think it's great. And I <laughs> no, still no. think Last Jedi is a great movie, and no, uh, you're wrong. Not at all. No, no, no. I mean, if you want your characters to be haha, frozen in carbonite their entire lives and oh, not change. Oh, yeah, here we go. Well, then, fine. I think if you want to talk about anyone who wasn't treated overly well is Force Awakens with Han, because, hey, my kid is ran off, and I'm not going to worry about him. I'm going to be a deadbeat dad. Okay, cool. See? See? You started it. <laughs> now let's talk about Fox News for an extended period of time. <laughs> now, as an Australian, I don't have to give a shit about that, so I can just walk away and be like, it's not my problem, not my news, I can walk away. Look, Rupert's our boy, but I, I was going to say, you don't have Rupert's any Murdoch media down there? Come on. Oh, it's all Murdoch media, they just have different names. Right, Sky come news. on. Well, it's the same here, it's all called Sinclair Media, and uh, wow. It's great. <laughs> Local news with a five-minute political comment that's national, nationally televised. Scott, Scott, could you please not bring politics into hey, show you know about what? space politicians? <laughs> you want, you want well, one more thing. You want to see a really creepy video that I think was done by either the... No, I think it was maybe John Oliver who did it. They took the... They required every local news station uh, that was owned by Sinclair to read like the same uh, paragraph a couple of years ago, and they spliced it all together and it is the most quintessential media controlled by the hierarchy video. It's I'll have to throw it out there somewhere. It's um it's creepy as hell. Thanks Sinclair Media for destroying local news. We appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, speaking of people who destroy things, what has Bester been planning? Oh, if you only knew newbies. Well, and I put it here with the Garibaldi stuff. The newbies don't know it's yeah. with the Garibaldi stuff. Although Justin did say uh, a couple weeks ago that he thought it was Psychor, but he didn't say Bester. And in fact, he said Bester was not. He uh, he doesn't think Bester's Psychor. involved in it at all. Yes. He thinks it's other other Psychor stuff, which I find hilarious. But now he seems to think it's a keeper, which even hey. more on face. That's fine. He can gaslight himself. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, Bester is at the heart of the Garibaldi issue. And the other thing I wanted to throw out there with Garibaldi, we talked about how Nicole, and she says this in her prediction, so I'll just get it out of the way now. She says the real Garibaldi is not there. I mentioned this before, and it will be t- uh, Bester will say this in face of the enemy. They didn't change much. They didn't right. program Garibaldi. All they did was the increase. They took the, the they took the knob and turned it to eleven on his um, his um, issues with Paranoia. authority. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 
That's the only thing they changed. Everything else is Garibaldi. He's just been turned to 11 when it yeah, comes it's, to that. It's Garibaldi without the ability of introspection, empathy, yes. and any of the development we've loved. It's all of his attributes we've actually liked in the show before, but mm -hmm. it's only that. I think back to when he wasn't sure to be security chief again when when he got shot in the back and then he was healing and he didn't want to be security chief he didn't know about it and then he found out Ivanova was captured by the Drazi and he chalked it up to well I'm paranoid all the time so yay that's a good thing for me to be and then this is a season of it, it's only that yes and I really do appreciate that that we've we've seen this storyline so many times of somebody's brainwashed and programmed and that's what the newbies are thinking right now and that's what they're supposed to be thinking but at the end of the day, Bester doesn't even know all he's going to do. He's like, I just threw you out there into the wild to see what happened. We didn't expect you to quick security, but that helped. So that's why I, I gently pointed out. I was like, you can tell that there's part of Garibaldi still there because he was mad at himself after that whole yes. second exchange. Yes. Which I found really interesting. And I, I love the acting. The the two of them, they were they were tennis buddies. And they were also like makeup chair buddies because they didn't need a ton. Like, you know, like, um, you know, your uh, your Jakar and mm -hmm. uh, Londos. So, you know, the two of them are, are going to be in the, tr you know, trailer or wherever at the same time. And so they were they were pals and they really enjoyed those scenes of animosity because it really, you know, just opened up their uh, their yeah. acting capabilities. But uh apparently they didn't rehearse any of those beforehand they just went out and did them and that whole thing is is really interesting to me the whole dynamic mm -hmm. but man that that scene where you find out that bester's been behind the whole thing and he lays it all out while garibaldi is just frozen there and all he can do is listen is devastatingly awesome yeah, we've said it a couple of times, whether you like the Garibaldi swing here in season four or not, you cannot deny that this is Jerry Doyle's best acting in the entire show. Yes. I think he just, he has so much to chew on and that will continue on for the rest of the season. Yeah. And then we get season, season five. five gives him his best acting material. I think, I think relapsed Garibaldi is Jerry Doyle's That's true. like wide array of things. And I can't wait for the, the newbies to get really pissed off at the fact that Garibaldi can't get revenge at yeah. all for any of the events of season four at all yeah i will say i mean i i kind of hand wave the books but there is a three-part series where garibaldi does get his revenge and it's quite fun uh, who stops him from getting that revenge none other than captain lockley thank you uh, very much captain hey We'll we'll be able to defend or not defend Lockley soon enough, sir. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean by that? Because in the end, it's Bester who who stops him from being able to get revenge because he has an an Asimov block. In yeah, I know, I know. But they're they're the first scene with them is is Lockley basically punching Garibaldi's mm -hmm. lights out to keep him from getting at Bester. So we don't even find out about that until later on. Oh yeah, yeah. And again, I can't wait for you to get to season five because I we've had a grand time talking about Lockley. I'm a lockhead. I love Lockley. <laughs> and um she's correct in everything she says and does to Garibaldi. It's very funny that the first thing she says is, Do you have a job? And he's like, No. <laughs> and she's like, Get a job. Get a job and then talk to me. And then he gets a job. He makes up his own job and she and then she says, You're not very good at it. <laughs> 
Yeah, season five is going to be a mixed can, man. I don't know what's going to happen there. It's going to yeah, be interesting. Yeah, I don't either. The, the, the noob is going to hate Lockley. They're going to hate they Lockley. Are. It's going to take them a while to warm up to her. You know, you know what's going to be funny? I bet you, dollars to donuts, Emily is going to love Lockley. Probably. Because Lockley... one of her too, though. That's a problem. Yeah. Lockley is the avatar for Emily. She calls everyone out on her bullshit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and we'll we'll see if Nicole secretly wants uh, Lockley and Sheridan to smash until she finds out that they they already did. <laughs> if you did Crusade, you actually get to find out more about their sex life. By the way, that he only did missionary. That's actually true. That's in the. Oh that's, my god! Okay. <laughs> so much about Sheridan. Thanks for that. That's why. By the way, I kept laughing when they're like, "Oh, Sheridan, he he would not say woohoo. He's not that much of a lame guy. He is. He is. He's a fucking lame man, and I love him for it. He's such a boy scout. He's such a fucking boy scout. Of course, you'd say woohoo. This is this this guy's such a dork, and I love I love that. Like he can turn on the aggression like he did with Garibaldi in this episode, but also he is the man who would say woohoo for sex. Well, let's talk about somebody who doesn't get to do a mission ever and that's will marcus ever tell ivanova how he feels at the end of his life she already knows or at least at some point she knows i should have boffed him yeah but she kind of denies the whole thing and just doesn't really pay much attention to it but she's not oblivious she knows where he is yeah but she's gonna find out and she's not gonna like it much in the fact that how she finds out yeah yeah he'll haunt her till the end of the show yeah which won't be long Oh yeah, but it's still in the it's in sleeping it still light. hangs over yeah. the show. Yes, you're right, Mark, yeah. All of that Marcus stuff, which is extra sad. Yes, yes. I am glad, and we can talk about this more when we get to Marcus's demise soon enough. But I am glad that for the most part, the newbies have ingratiated themselves to good old Marcus because I was, I was questioning how that was going to go. I know Kevin, you're a big fan. I like Marcus a lot, but I was questioning if the newbies were going to be able to to take their fair share of Marcus. He is truly hilarious in this episode. Oh, I do love and it. Yeah. So and so is uh Richard Biggs. Is that uh, what you told your mother? <laughs> oh, oh, I mean but I, I came back to it, but that, that line and that's when I shot him, Your Honor. <laughs> I'm gonna have <laughs> to use that. In real boxes. <laughs> okay, let's move into the predictions. And we already knocked out one with Garibaldi's brain. Uh, so let's do the next one, which is Garibaldi is going to work with the smugglers and they are going to turn out to be earth gov agents wrong wrong yep. incorrect nope. they nope. are in fact agents of a millionaire of a gajillionaire they're just yeah. agents Who of a capitalist has an uneasy relationship with earth gov in its current form yeah. he's not yes. anti-earth but he's also not pro super pro clark either well, well and... he says it. Edgar says that megacorps actually run the world. Right. And yeah. Clark is getting in the way in in the way of that with his pettiness. So they need to take care of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Good old Edgar. It's going to be interesting. And then uh, Garibaldi will attempt an insurrection. Uh, again, a no. Well, Not so much. Man. Well, I mean, he does. He does get um, you know Sheridan captured. That's the closest you get, and he's he is sowing discord within the. He station. is, but when I think insurrection, I think like pick up your pitchforks and go after Sheridan's office. Yeah, no, BSG, it's not gonna you think of you think of what's his name in Battlestar Galactica in season four, where right. he teams oh. up with a terrorist. Oh yeah. Speaking of 
character assassinations. Yeah. There's another one there too. I totally That's one I like actually. Yeah. Whoopsies. Um, oh, I mean, after he gets such build, it's uh, what's his name? Oh my God, I'm blanking on his name now. But we Ada. all know who you're talking about. Ada, thank you. Ada. After he after he has to deal with the whole, you're a traitor, but I'm the one saving all your asses on Earth, on New Caprica. Blah blah blah. And then they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna fall in line with these assholes. Yeah. Yeah, but then he lost a leg. Like yes. Nog. That's true. Nog handled it better. I guess what Ada needed was a lounge singer. That's what he needed. He needed he needed cream for the itchiness of the leg is what he needed. Yeah. Gata, I really wish he hadn't gone out that way. It sucked. I think all of season four of Bowser Galactica sucked, but that's just me. I like some of it. I like uh, everything with Dean Stockwell. He's He gets the best. For all the faults of season four, it does have the great villain monologue about why Cylons hate humanity, and I love that. That's true. Probably the best, really like best written piece for the Cylons in the entire show. I mean, I was... let's be honest. You put Dean Stockwell in anything, it's good, so... I was nice. just watching the Batman Beyond movie, Return of the Joker, and he's in that as Tim, the older Tim Drake, and I was just like, oh man, I wish he was still around. I, I really like Dean Stockwell. Edgar's is uh, Alfred from the Batman <laughs> animation. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's a few Batman connections. I'm gonna say it again, Kevin. You need to be watching the uh, new uh, Quantum Leap. You need to be watching it. Okay, I gotta get to it. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I'd probably enjoy it more than Frasier, which I haven't really enjoyed. No, you need to watch Quantum Leap, and there are some connections to Al. Quite a few, actually. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, quite a few. They're, it's definitely a sequel series. It is not like a reboot. Okay. They did a funny thing in the first episode, which is they used a photo of Dean Stockwell in like an Admiral's outfit, but it's not from Quantum Leap. It's a still promo image from um, McHale's Navy, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't stop seeing that. See, when when they did that, I was like, oh, they're actually going to do this right. That was that picture from Mikhail's Navy now. Thank you for that. That picture was, oh, they're actually going to do this right. Good job, guys. Okay, let's get back to Babylon 5 and not Battlestar Galactica, Mikhail's Navy, or Quantum Leap. Okay, Garib Okay, last one is Sheridan is going to kick Garibaldi off the station. No. no. Garibaldi gonna is going to kick himself off. off. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, and then Garibaldi is going to kick Sheridan off the station, kind of. Mm. Well, no, Sheridan's going to leave the station and not be able to return because of Garibaldi. We got a lot coming up here in the next uh, 12 episodes, 11 episodes, uh, between now and the end of season four. I say 11 because then we have deconstruction, which is a whole nother thing. So, But we have 11 episodes left of season four. I'm looking forward to seeing how the newbies deal with it, especially when it comes to... Uh, the taking back of Earth at the end of that. So, anything else you guys want to add? And don't yeah. forget yeah, about in the beginning you. either. That's going to be fun. Well, that'll be right after oh, season yeah. four. Yes. Right. Do you think that the newbies will like the Garibaldi reveal because of how much they've hated the journey? Do you think that this is a destination so good that it would make the journey of it worth it for them. Because for myself, I have struggled with that uh, yeah. on rewatches is once you know, it can be a little bit sluggish, but I also must admit when I first saw it, I fucking hated the Garibaldi stuff. It drove me nuts. And when we got there, I loved it. I thought, oh, this is brilliant. But do you think that the newbies will uh, appreciate what the answer is to this big mystery? I think they will. I, I, because it's Bester and because it's not some, you know, cloak and dagger thing that they can't really sink their teeth into. Once they find out and they see that scene uh, on the tram between yeah. the two of them, I think they're really going to go for it. 
I, I think you're completely right, Kevin. And part of it too is because they haven't predicted it yet. So it's going to, at least for for right now, it's still going to catch them off guard. They haven't figured it out. Uh, I will say probably Emily will not like it because she'll have she'll think it's not true. She'll think that somebody else is doing it. It's not Bester. That's because that's just Emily. But everyone else should enjoy it. <laughs> but she hates Bester, so she'll probably probably believe it. That's true. I will they say, don't leave a lot of ambiguity behind it. it. It's pretty clear at that point, and then it's more like, <laughs> that well, never how has Garibaldi her. come back from it? That never stops her. We'll see. I will say I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm uh, especially in my original watching of this. Um, I was not a huge fan of all of this because uh, I felt I felt it drug out too long, um, which you know it goes for most of the season. Yeah, but I do do love Face of the Enemy. I think it's a really good episode. I think a lot happens. Um, I'm still not entirely sure if I I like the the drawn outness of the Garibaldi stuff, but we'll see how it goes over the next six episodes until we get there. It's better than Face of the Enemy and TNG. Oh Jesus. That's true. That's true. Is it weird is it weird to you that the there's people within this podcast including yourself Scott that have uh, through a, maybe a more modern lens or or whatever the case may be feel a bit bit of a weirdness towards Sheridan yet for most of this group there's a fondness for Garibaldi who out of all of the ensemble characters is probably the one you could scrutinize the most because he is a, a filthy cop who yeah. uses his authority and this whole season is about the, the the dirtiness of his character and only that the reason why I, i've always liked garibaldi is i always like the everyman character uh i love miles o'brien in ds9 for the very same reason so for me i mean yes he is a beatnik cop who which obviously right now in our culture is an interesting person to be but I've always found him to be that character that I can ingratiate myself on more back all the way back to the gathering. So that's where I've always been with him, which is, again, is why I think the especially in my first watch, the the dealing with Garibaldi in this season was frustrating for me because I wanted my Garibaldi back, which I think is the point. But, yeah, I wanted my Garibaldi back. So, yeah, but with the newbies, I'm not too sure. I think the Sheridan thing, again, is, man, the man makes stupid decisions. And in a culmination, it works. And in a culmination, it all kind of works out and gets there. But man, every week he's making dumbass decisions. I don't think he did anything stupid in the second encounter with Garibaldi. It was more about the first one. Yeah, he sent him off. Yeah. I mean, it's the fact that they're talking in a public place is the problem about a private matter. He's never actually gone to his friend, which, of course, Garibaldi and Sheridan were never as close as other people have been, but he hasn't gone to his friend, not in a public place, because the one time was at the bar, the other times are public as well, and just said, hey man, let's talk, let's figure this out. We know it wouldn't have worked because of his little uh, tweaking by Bester, but Sheridan never tries. Yeah, I I think um, with Garibaldi, for instance, I like Garibaldi too. I, I just want to say that up front. But I, I the show is way more aware, or at many times, not all of the time, but at many times of the the negative aspects of his um, of his role because he himself wants to come across as the everyman, but will also flick a switch and say, "I have a gun." I have a badge, and I can do whatever the fuck I want. And the show's more aware of that. Well, Sheridan, there are many times where it's just like, he's such a good guy. He's just such a good guy. And it's like, no, you're being a, d- a dummy here. 
I actually like that Sheridan's dumb. I, I find it uh, an endearing quality to him. But I also think maybe this is just me being nostalgic or me being very happy that a lot of newbies still find it hard to get past the, the wonder of Sinclair. Which, when I grew up, that was the opposite case, where people were like, ah, Sinclair, ah, Sheridan, now that's the one. But there's still this, like, longing of Sinclair for, for lots of new people come to this series, especially on your podcast, and people who are revisiting the show. And I think that it's a part of, not only that you know the behind the scenes of Michael O'Hare, but Sinclair was a lot more of an introspective character than Sheridan is. I do think that the story behind the scenes plays into it a great deal. And that's been, you know, in, in the news, um, you know, the last uh, couple of years um, with, with that story, but it's also been a focus of uh, society a little bit more in the past few years, especially since the pandemic on mental health. I think that definitely plays a role, but I, I have been surprised at how, focus they are on the Sinclair character it seems like well for Emily it's you know the scene with uh, Delenn which I I didn't read the same way that she did but the whole Valen thing yes that is a that is an interesting aspect of the show but I think it has a lot to do with uh with the behind the scenes like you're saying Ryan yeah and it's it's not just Sheridan too I mean to your point Ryan of people picking and choosing we still dog on Franklin and Sheridan gets a pass too so it's interesting okay well that's a good way to end it up for this episode we'll go ahead and close out this discussion of Racy Mars and be back next week to talk lines of communication again a reminder check out all of our social medias if you can please 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 leave a review and if you want to join our discord you can find our patreon linked down below as well and again ryan's yum yum podcast website is linked in the uh, description so please click on that give him a follow give him a like and check out his show if you haven't done so already uh until next week when we talk lines of communication i've been scott and with me has been kevin and ryan Thanks for coming aboard again, Ryan. I love when you message me five hours before recording and saying, hey, I want to talk about this episode. Hey, good timing. <laughs> it's good to have you, Ryan. Glad you're here. It was a pleasure. Woo-hoo.